0: A searching soul, and someone says, Send me here. I go, I know. Good afternoon, Metro Praise International. Yes, yes, how's everybody feeling this afternoon? Good, good, awesome, awesome, awesome. Guys, thank you for joining us this afternoon. If this is your first time here, if you're visiting, thank you for joining us and worshiping the Lord this afternoon. I'm Pastor Tony, I'm one of the campus pastors here at Metro Praise International. Uh, Thank you guys for joining us, you guys are loved. And uh, why don't we all stand up before we begin? All right. Now, you know how we do. If you've been here before, we usually start off with a testimony, and I would like to call up my sister Maria, who's going to share something that the Lord has been doing in her life lately. So please give a warm welcome to Maria as she she shares with us this morning, this afternoon. Good
1: Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Maria, and um, I just want to testify about what God has done in my life. out of all the things that he's done. To just summarize it in a minute or two. Well, um, I was 20 years old, facing seven years in prison. I thought my life was over. And um, I tried to commit suicide in the process of that. Um, I met a wonderful Christian lady. She was an officer at the, at the county jail. And she preached the gospel to me. And I gave my life to Christ. Um, Ever since then, I mean, I did those seven years with God by my side. I experienced freedom within the very walls of prison, and I got out. And nine months later, later, I met um, my husband, the husband that I had been praying for. Then I came to Chicago. I got a job. In two weeks, they made me manager without even checking my criminal past, you know. Um, I got back in school. I'm almost done with my AA. I'm part of a great church family here in MPI. And I just want to give glory to God and just encourage you that no matter how dark it may seem, God is a miracle worker and he has the power to change anyone. Um, I want to share a scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new has come, the old is gone, the new creation is here. I want to um, pray for the service today. Father. I just thank you, Lord, for everything that you have done in my life, for everything you are doing and everything you will do. I pray for your people, Father. I pray that they will see that without you, we are nothing. We need you, Father. We need you every every step of the way in everything that we do. I pray for repentance, Father. I pray that people will, will come to their knees, Father, and just live a life of obedience worthy of you. I pray that even when things get hard, people won't give up, and they will know that in due season they will reap a harvest if they just keep trusting you, keep their eyes on you. Father God, I, I pray that um, they will realize that you work all, th- to, all things together for the good for those who love you. Father God, I, I pray that you just bless your people. Bless their obedience, Lord God, and encourage them. Encourage them, Father. In their darkest times just let them know you are there that you love them father god i thank you in jesus name i pray amen, amen. god bless you all
2: today God we welcome you here into this place Lord we welcome you here Father God today to meet with you Lord we come to hear your voice we come to draw near and close to you Jesus so God in this place Lord as our hands are raised God as our eyes are fixed upon you as we set our mind on you God would you speak oh Lord into our hearts Lord that you are near and close to your people we want your spirit to out. we want your spirit to God bust forth into this place We want your Holy Spirit, Lord, to break down every wall. We want your Holy Spirit to speak to even the heart of his heart, even a heart that might feel so far away from you. We ask that your Spirit would break through, Lord, every barrier, God. In Jesus' name, Lord, you are here. You are here today, Lord. see corruption God we see violence Lord and the only answer is you so church can we lift our voice together can we lift our voice together and pray pray for your neighborhood pray for your city today pray for our nation God we need you to break forth we need heaven to come down and meet us here Lord we've done it by ourselves for too long God we need you Lord we need King Jesus King Jesus to be lifted up to be lifted up in our church in our city God hallelujah we want to see your glory we want to see revival we want to see your kingdom Jesus we want to see you lifted high Lord come on lift up your voice today lift up your voice today Jesus we need you we're crying out for you Lord we cry out for you Jesus your spirit to break forth to break through our high school to break through our neighborhood to break through our co-workers hearts oh god that god we would see heaven come to earth we would see your glory be displayed jesus jesus jesus, jesus. You please I encourage you raise your hands today Raise your hands today Come on be refuse to be the same Refuse to be lukewarm Refuse to be a dry bone in this place Jesus you are real you are alive Breathe life into your church today Breathe life into your people today Lord That we would be like a fire We would be like a fire Jesus for you Come on, if you need to be revived in this place, raise your hands and we're going to start speaking in tongues. We're going to start speaking in the spirit right now. You need to be brought to life. You need to wake up. You've been asleep. Come on you've been working for the kingdom of this earth we need to be working for the kingdom of heaven come on you've been cro- you've been um, uh, just messed up with the affairs of men he's saying be messed up in the affairs of the kingdom you're so worried about your life what you're gonna do tomorrow let's be worried about the kingdom of God let's be concerned about souls revive us revive us. Revive us, Lord. Revive us today, this afternoon.
3: Hallelujah, we're hungry for you. Come on, we're hungry for living water
2: today. We're hungry for you, Jesus, for you, Holy Spirit. Come on, if that word was for you right now, would you respond right now? If you are hungry for him, he's giving it freely giving it freely today. And the Holy Spirit is here to quench your thirst, to quench our longing right now. Come on, if you want to receive the Holy Spirit right now, just start raising your hands, start worshiping, start praising him. Can it be refilled? And the answer is yes. Can he be refilled again and again? And the answer is yes. Come on, yes, fill us up, Lord. Fill us up, Jesus. Fill us up again and again, Lord. Yeah.
4: that we would surrender it all to you, God. Every day, every moment, God, that it would be yours. Oh, Holy Spirit, have your way. Let us just sing all to Jesus, I surrender. to surrender any idolatry that you have in your lives. Like, I surrender my friendships with the wrong people, God. I surrender my unholy relationship with you, God. I surrender the unholy relationship I have with a boyfriend, a girlfriend. God, I surrender just fear, God. I I surrender worry, God. I surrender just whatever it is that seems to be bogging you down or plaguing you or keeping you from his presence surrender my job i surrender my just whatever it is you know what it is the worries of this life can become such a burden that we were never meant to bear we can have fears about tomorrow and we don't even know what tomorrow brings we're not even promised an hour from now lord we can surrender We can surrender our marriages to you to make sure that we are living holy and pleasing and talking to each other in love and adoration, God. I lift up friendships in this place, God. I surrender my heart to you, God. There's a Psalm of David that says, search me and know my heart, God. See if there is any unright way inside of me and lead me to the way everlasting. God, I pray that over this congregation today that you will test and search the hearts of every man and woman here, God. That they would surrender just anything that has come in their way between them and you, God. That they would repent of their sins and that they would be saved and free, God. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your loving mercy and your grace for when we we fall short of the mark. Lord, we love you. We lift up this time and this service to you. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody says amen and amen. Everybody give the Lord a hand clap of praise for God is good. Amen. And I want to take this time to preach the gospel to you. And so our verse here is John three thirty six, And he says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Whoever believes in the Son, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who took sin, who knew sin, He had no sin, but he took it all for us. And the promise there is that when we surrender our life, we make Jesus the Lord of our life, meaning I am not the Lord of my own life anymore, but Jesus is the Lord of my my life. And I'm going to do everything by his commands, what he tells me to do. How I'm supposed to live. How I'm supposed to treat others. I'm supposed to love God and I'm supposed to love his people because that's what he said the two greatest commandments were. But then it says that whoever rejects the Son of God says, I don't want that. I want to be the Lord of my own life. I want to do what I want to do. You only live once. Then God's wrath remains on you. It remains on those who reject Jesus. And I find it interesting when I go to 1 John 3, he's saying the same thing. He's saying that if I continue to live in sin, then I don't know God at all. I don't actually believe in Jesus. If we continue on in our sin, even though we know that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died and was resurrected and and took away the sins of the world, but I still live in sin, I don't actually know God, and I am actually apart from him, and the wrath of God remains. And and the promise for you today is that when you repent, fully surrendered, all those areas of sin and frustration and worry and fear, that God takes it from you. And that you get to live holy and free with no wrath on you. And the promise is, is you get to live with a loving and holy God for all of eternity. And eternity is a lot longer than our small little lives. So today is the day of salvation. During our fellowship time, we're gonna have prayer workers up here to pray for. You wanna get your life right with Jesus. You wanna come back from being backslidden. You did, never knew Jesus before, but now you wanna know him. You wanna know this promise. You wanna leave here with that gift of salvation, the peace that passes all understanding and the joy that overflows. Come up to the front, get prayer. Get right with Jesus today because today is the day of salvation. You are not promised tomorrow. You are not promised five minutes from now. You could walk out that door and get hit by a bus. And that's it. There's nothing. You don't have another chance. So get right today. Have the Lord that loves you who died for you to just love on you today. And I just want to pray for you all right now. Father God, we come before you in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, God, that we can know you. That we can know your son. And that we can have the joy of our salvation, God. And for those who are living in sin, those who are, don't know you, who are apart from you, who have your wrath upon them right now, God, I pray that you would take it away, that you would give them the gift of repentance and that they would see salvation today and they would walk out the door forever changed knowing that they are saved and continuing on in a holy life because the old will be gone and the new will be here, Lord. And so we lift it up. We thank you, God, for your mercy and your grace and forgiving every man another day to make the choice to follow you and to love you. And we pray this all in your wonderful name, Jesus. Amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise again. Hallelujah. God is good. We are going to recite our confession of faith. This is our Christian worldview. This is what believers around the world believe. And we recite this to, to remind ourselves that this is true each and every day. On the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the united church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone, amen. Greet your neighbor, give somebody a high five, tell them that you love them and you're glad
3: they're
5: here.
6: This right now. Welcome everybody to our second service. It's so wonderful to see all of you here. Thank you for joining us. If this is your first time, keep on coming back. It's nice to see some old faces as well. Thank you for coming. Our services here are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. This is our family service. We have King's Kids in the back for our children. Infant to 11 years old. So they're having a fun time back there with uh, all of our children's workers, learning about Jesus. And then we have Elevate. Every Friday at 7 p.m. That's our Elevate Youth Service for students 11 to 18 years old. God's doing awesome things in their lives, and we're just really excited about God reaching more young people through their lives, especially in our high schools. How many of you guys believe that Chicago's high schools needs Jesus? So it's going to start with our young people. Come on. Thank you for that excitement. Who's ready for Easter? It's one week away, March 27th, for our 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. service. We're going to have our Abundant Life ending that sermon series Uh, We're going to have a children's presentation for both services, free family portraits. So grab those flyers that are being passed out. Keep making those connections. Invite complete strangers. Invite your co-workers, families, and friends. And we want to give you a sneak peek again at the video. So use it on Facebook. Use our event page on Facebook to invite people. It's going to be an awesome time.
7: I know a God who has more to offer you
0: than life itself. Life is about knowing Jesus because Jesus has peace for you in abundance. Jesus has joy for you in abundance. Come and take the hand of Jesus. Come and drink in the waters of God. You
7: will know what it means to live an abundant life. Receive satisfaction for your souls in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.
6: Amen. Give it up for Jesus and for the actors in that video. They did a great job. So join us for that, please, and uh, let's just make that a powerful service and give God all the glory. Amen. Here at MPI, we have a vision, a strategy, and a goal. Say vision. Our vision is loving God and loving people. Those are the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us, and that's how we want to live our life. You guys want to live your life loving God and loving people? Come on, that's the best way to live. And then our strategy is to connect, mentor, and send. We want to connect you to Jesus, connect you to our church through our life groups. And then we want to mentor you through our 101 and 201 books and really be there for you as you grow in your walk with the Lord. And then we want to send you out and do evangelism so that we can keep reaching and winning the lost for Jesus. And our goal through that is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. Let me get a hallelujah. Come on, look to your neighbor and say, it's time to get connected. If you turn your hand out around, you'll see the schedule for this quarter of life groups that we have. Here's a snapshot of what's happening this week. There's always something to do throughout the week and really get connected and have fellowship with the body of Christ. So kicking it off today, we have our marriage group. Come on, marriage folks. 5 p.m. today, child care will be provided. We have a ton of fun. Today's our game night, so it's going to be so much fun. So if you're married, you want to be here with us tonight. Every week on Wednesdays, we have our King's Kids Life Group, infant to 11 years old, 630. Here at the church, that's where we have our Royal Rangers Boys Club and Impact Girls Club, awesome time for our children. Thursday is our gang outreach, 18 years and up. If you want to be a part of that, God's doing tremendous things, powerful things. Uh, There's an awesome testimony that I want to share. This past um, Thursday night, Stephen Ramos and Jose Riasco and probably some of the other guys from the team had connected with one of the young men that they had witnessed to to previously and he was a young man he was a muslim and he called up stephen said he wanted to meet together and have a conversation talk about jesus they ended up leading him to the lord on thursday night in such a powerful powerful way god saved this young man so god is moving and all it takes is for people to be obedient and for us to go somebody say let's go and then every friday we have uh, two adult bible studies the one at the govea's house the other one at the vivitz our very own vivitz here 18 years and up, 7 p.m., it's an awesome time of fellowship, getting into the Word, and just encouraging each other to keep living for God. So if you want to be connected, that's how you do it. Then we want to mentor you. Say mentor. We have the 101 book called Welcome to Your New Life. Leaders are ready to take you through this book uh, one-on-one and to really be there to encourage you, to pray for you, and to challenge you in your walk with God. When you graduate the 101, you'll get into the 201 class. We have Sunday morning class with Pastor Jared, a Thursday evening class with Pastor Ellie. And this is where we train you to be a leader one day, disciples that make disciples, where we train you up to one day be an elder or deacon in the church and where your discipleship process continues and you're, you can be all that God has called for you to be. And then we want to send you out. Say send. I want to send you out to do evangelism. Every Saturday from 5 to 8, we hit the streets preaching the gospel. That is your training ground. If you've never done it, I want to encourage you, meet these awesome men and women of God who are on fire and they're making a difference. How many of you guys know Chicago needs Jesus? How many of you guys know that's why we have a ministry called Chicago for Jesus? We have T-shirts and hoodies. If you didn't know, you can buy one, Chicago for Jesus. And what that means is, Jesus, this city belongs to you, and I'm going to go out and make a difference and make sure that people know that they belong to you and they can make a choice to live for God or not. So that's our responsibility to go. Say go. Again, that's the key word for today. So in a recap, MPI has a vision, a strategy, and a goal. A vision of loving God and loving people. A strategy of connect, mentor, and send. And a goal to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. Who's excited about that? Come on. Who's excited to continue and learn about tithes and offerings? And to give our tithes and offerings, another act of worship unto the Lord. Uh, tithe here at MPI, we believe that that 10% of your total income given regularly to the church. And then we also believe in giving offering. That's an amount that's between you and the Lord. We don't put an amount on that. We don't put a percentage on that. You have to have a relationship with Jesus. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and give what he tells you to give. It may be something that you, that is more than what you have, but be be obedient, and God's going to meet your need. And so we just, God wants a cheerful giver. So it's through generosity, uh, cheerful, a cheerful heart that we make that possible. And so we designate that towards missions and towards building. And we give towards various mission projects throughout the year, and our building fund currently is for the new band equipment. So we just want to thank you for partnering with us here at MPI to do what God has called us to do in Chicago and throughout all the nations. So let's get ready to get into our lesson in the Disciples Giving Book. We are on Section 1, Lesson 12. You could go to givingbook.org. If you want to uh, read this for yourself, we'll kind of get ahead. There's 52 lessons, one, one for every week of the year. Lesson 12 is the tithe breaks greed through obedience. Again, the definition of tithe is 10% of our total income given to God faithfully. We're going to be reading from Matthew 6.24. You could follow along on the screen or turn in your Bibles. That's good practice. How many of you guys like turning into your Bibles to a passage of Scripture? Matthew 6. Uh, 24 you guys ready say i'm ready." ready no one can serve two masters either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other you cannot serve both god and money that's pretty real here are the four main points number one you cannot serve two masters the bible is very clear that jesus is either lord of all or he is not lord at all the lordship of jesus includes everything from your heart to your wallet That's pretty simple, isn't it? God wants all of us. Number two, you cannot love God and money. Notice how Jesus chose money to be the number one competing master for the Christian's life. Jesus chose to make money the primary example because it represents the most common idol people set up in their hearts. The sinful, greedy heart proudly says, I work hard for my money and I will spend it however I want. My family and my bills come first in my life, not the church. Um, how, how many of you guys know that God says to put his kingdom and his righteousness first and all these things will be given to us as well? Number three, money is the best indicator of who your Lord is. If you are not willing to be faithful to give God your best in tithes and offerings, you are making a choice to serve money instead of God. So greed is not just a sin for the rich and famous, but it is the sin of all who refuse to make Jesus the Lord of their money. So the Bible keeps it real. Say it with me. Say the Bible keeps it real come on it, it greed is a sin and it's not just the rich people everybody wants to think oh the rich people have that money they don't want to give it away no it's people that don't have a lot too that can be greedy as well so we have to always have a heart check and that's our heart gets checked through the Bible and through the Holy Spirit number four giving breaks the attitude of greed every time you give your ties to God you are breaking the chains of greed that come from the master of money and you are choosing to serve Jesus as the lord of your wallet here's a summary be obedient to God in the in the faithful giving of your tithes, so the sin of greed doesn't take mastery of your heart. How many of you guys want to make sure you guard your hearts from that greed? Let's apply this to our life in three ways. Number one, sorry, I'm running, my breath is running low. Ask God to forgive you for being greedy if you have been serving money rather than Jesus. So we have to repent. Number two, be devoted and obedient to Jesus as a Lord over all of your life. And three, give your tithes faithfully, As an act of worship to Jesus, who is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. If that that blesses you, if if you want that to be your story, your confession, let's recite this together on the count of three. One, two, three. The tithe was implied with Cain and Abel, revealed to Abraham, established in the law of Moses, and is still relevant for today. It comes with a blessing and curse. It must be qualitative, a priority, and a faithful practice in our lives. The tithe advances the kingdom of God, tests our maturity, breaks the attitude of greed through obedience, is mandated for all, and brings us into partnership with God and his church. If If you're ready to give your tithes and offerings this afternoon, please stand up to your feet. Let's prepare to give the Lord our best Again, a tithe is 10% of your total income given regularly to the church. We designate offering towards missions and building. And I want to always remind you to put the exact amount on the envelope of where you want each, um, each of your you know, monies to go to be designated towards. Here are four ways that you could give at MPI. Number one, in the bucket during the offering time. Two, in the wall-mounted drop boxes. Three, in the back with a credit or debit card. You can see Pastor Jerry for that. And four, you could go online and use Chase QuickPay, PayPal, or Bill Pay at mpichurch.org forward slash giving. So very convenient, easy to use. Here's our um, our building fund for the year, new band equipment. You guys are doing awesome. Thank you so much for your generosity. If you haven't joined us yet on this journey, uh, we want you to, number one, pray and ask God what you should give. Number two, listen to what the Holy Spirit says. And three, give give generously. Give with a cheerful heart. Let's recite this together. Philippians 4.18, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness, Lord. And we choose you to be the master and the Lord of our life. We put you first. We will not allow money to master us. We will be faithful with the tithe. We will be faithful with the offering, God. And I just pray that you would use it, that you would multiply it. Bless your people. Bless and prosper them on their jobs. Give them increases, promotions, and raises. Let your favor be upon them. And I pray that you would um, give us wisdom to use this money to reach Chicago and the ends of the earth for you. In your name, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please come forward as you give this morning and thank you so much for your support and for your generosity.
7: Everybody, y'all ready to hear about some missionaries? Come on, give me a whoop, whoop. I'm gonna call up Jonathan and Nicole. Come on up here, party people. They are with an aviation missionary group. They came and spent the night at my house yesterday. They have two beautiful children and a third one on the way. And you know what they do? They fly planes into the hard-to-reach area so that our missionaries can get there, medical supplies can get there. And do you know that our church supports them? This is an amazing testimony. I was wearing a Chicago for Jesus shirt in Ikea. Everybody know where IKEA is at? Right by Schaumburg Mall, really cool furniture store there. He said, man, I like that sweatshirt because you know, it has Chicago for Jesus on it. I just said, hey, I want to give it to you. I gave it to him, and then he came back over because we were sitting down eating, and he goes, hey man, I just want to tell you, I'm a missionary, and I fly planes to help people, you know, get to, the, you know, get the gospel and all that. We began to talk, developed a friendship. I said, we're going to support you, and so Metro Praise has been supporting him for a few months now, since January, and just to let you guys know about our mission program, this is really exciting when you guys give where it goes. The first thing that we do is we split it between Metro Praise missions and then the other missionary groups that are outside of our church. And the reason why we only uh, don't want to only do our missions is because we want to give to others to be a blessing. Amen? We don't want to just do it for us. We want to do it for others. And uh, outside of um, this mission group, we also support a teen challenge, a drug rehab in Colombia. We also support an uh, orphanage in South Africa. And we support a mission training program and outreach ministry called Raven in New Orleans, Louisiana. Isn't that awesome? You guys are a part of that. And then the other half we use for our mission. And do you know that this week, Pastor Ellie and Leilani with Sister K, have been in Davao, Philippines preaching the gospel, doing crusades, distributing our books. That's um, his, uh, her wife his, no, her husband, (laughs) there he is, wave, wave, there we go, really cool guy, A and K, M and K, sounds like two letters, like M and K, but E, M, and then K is K-A-Y-E, and they are coming back today, so we're going to pray for them, let's not forget to do that either, praying for them to come back, and then they're going to tell us all their stories, so here's what we do, mission split, Metro Praise missions, doing discipleship, traveling around the world, our group's right now in the Philippines, and then the other half goes to awesome missionaries like them, they've come all the way from Baraboo, Wisconsin. Anybody ever going to Devil's Lake with us to the retreats? That's Baraboo, so they live up in the boo, as I like to call it. They're from the boo. Anyways, nobody thought that was funny, I guess, but I like it. I like saying, you're from the boo. And I call my baby Boopster Boo, which is kind of cool. And so I want you to give it up for my man Jonathan and his wife Nicole and their son Noah Quinton.
8: Yeah, it is. It is very special for us to be here. Uh, our partnership started in such a unique way, and it's just, it's you're a tremendous blessing to us. Your church is a tremendous blessing to us, and it's a miracle for us to be here. We're we're so excited. Uh, I want to start with a really silly question, and I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of good answers to this. But the question would be, if if you had one week of vacation, and I could offer you a vacation to Hawaii, who would take it? All right, most yeah, most of you. That's good. What if I added one stipulation and said you only had one week of vacation, but you couldn't take the airplane to where you're going? How long would it take you to get there? It would take you all week. Yeah, and then you wouldn't have time to get back. So this is it's really not something we think about a whole lot. Transportation it doesn't it doesn't factor into much of what we do. Um, maybe you, a little bit more for you in Chicago because traffic is a little interesting <laughs> sometimes. But m- most of the time, when it comes to critical things, we don't think a whole lot about the uh, transportation difficulties
9: so it's actually been estimated that by the year twenty thirty there will be over one billion people without access to roads um, without that access how are we going to get the gospel to the ends of the earth and that's where MAF comes in which is Mission Aviation Fellowship uh... their mission is to share the love of Jesus Christ using aviation and technology to reach isolated people so that they m- will be physically and spiritually transformed. So as Joe mentioned, we are Jonathan and Nicole, and we are excited to join the work of MAF in the Democratic Republic of Congo um, with our three boys, Noah, who's almost four, this is Quinton, and number three on the way.
8: My turn. <laughs> Thanks, bye. Yeah. Thanks. So MAF uh, started over 70 years ago, and the idea was originally um, came forth to uh, several World War II pilots had the idea to use aviation to reach the remotest tribes of the earth. And, uh, and in 1946, they had a first flight. A lady by the name of Betty Green flew a couple Bible translators to the jungles of Mexico, uh, Super uh, super awesome lady. And then 10 years later, a story you may have heard, Nate Saint, an MAF pilot, flew four other missionaries, uh, including Jim Elliot, into the jungles of Ecuador to reach an unreached tribe there. And through some confusion, they all got martyred on the beach there. Um, and that's, that's hard. That's hard to process. But they didn't die in vain. Uh, and God used that. And through an outpouring of grace and forgiveness from the families who returned and learned the language and helped those people, Many of those people gave their lives to the Lord, and still today, there's a thriving church. And so it's a huge testimony of what we can do when we bring the gospel to these places. Um, MF is operational in 14 different countries. Five of them are restricted access. Uh, Muslim countries that don't generally allow in missionaries, but we can be there uh, because we have a service to offer, and we carry the gospel with us in our hearts. And so um, we support the work of church development church growth by flying missionaries pastors teachers um, to where they need to go and where they do their work uh, and bible translators as well and then because we're in so many different places and we have the little planes we can really make a difference when there's a disaster for instance in nepal they had the the earthquakes recently so mf is there flying relief supplies in 2004 there was a tsunami in indonesia and uh, and As well, MAF was there, and we were the first organization to be able to reach the devastated regions just because we had access to the airplanes.
9: So, just a little bit about Congo, because when we began this journey, I didn't know anything about it. Um, But Congo is a vast country, and it straddles the equator. Um, It's about the size of the United States east of the Mississippi. So, you think New York to Florida, it's really large. It's rich in natural resources, but it lacks in um, infrastructure, (laughs) (laughs) and it's plagued with a lot of political instability. There was a, a brutal civil war there that ended in 2004. And one of the things that MAF has done is they began offering free flights for teams to go in and hold reconciliation or forgiveness seminars. And so to date, over 1.5 million people have changed their minds or forgiven the enemy tribes, and over 66,000 people have given their lives to the Lord. So, yeah. (laughs) So as you'll see in this video, we believe that more than anything, the gospel is the only thing that will change the heart of Africa. In spite of uh, all the doom that is reported about Africa, we know that the scripture changes life. This is the word that's going to pull Africa out of corruption. This is the word that can pull Africa out of civil war. So we do believe that uh, Africa will change. And change in Africa will come out of the word of God. conflict and because conflict makes people extremely vulnerable.
5: We couldn't do the work we're doing here really without MAF. They're the only ones flying here basically.
9: MAF means you are sure, very secure. MAF
8: stayed through a lot of the civil wars and all the problems when other groups left.
7: Two doctors in an area twice the size of California
9: It's only 45 minutes with airplane to come here and to visit these clinics. But by car, I think it's five or six hours. The MAF has saved our life uh, many times, you know, for evacuations, medical purposes, and things like that. Without the airplane, I wouldn't be here. (laughs) Because we
4: work with everyone that allows us to work with um, you know, not one particular denomination or one particular organization, but just everybody doing everything that is accomplishing good works for the
8: Lord.
6: So this entire church, which is, we don't know, three, five thousand
8: people maybe, uh, the only scriptures that they have is the scriptures that
6: we're translating right now, and so they're very anxious to, uh, to see this finished. Uh, we're going into a more heavily Muslim area, at the invitation of uh, the Wesleyan church to show the Jesus film there. So we show the Jesus film, and then we start uh, the
0: church there. Thanks to Moth. the gospel got to my parents, and got to me, and thanks to Moth, I'm missionary among my people, with the tools I can use from Moth.
9: math I think the first thing I do is cry
8: <laughs> yeah so're we're, exci- we're just as excited as you are about doing this and uh, it, the easy places are taken in so many places the gospel's gotten to the easy places we still have hard places to reach so Jesus can come back right Joe that's right. So we'd like to share a little bit about how we got to the ministry of uh, MAF, and I was raised in Belgium in a missionary home. However, it took, a long, uh, it took a long time for God to teach me some important lessons along the way in order for me to get me to this point. And I, w- I wonder if this is true for you as well, maybe in a high school, just like I. You had a desire for the future, but you didn't know if it was from the Lord. And uh, this was, I had a dream. I had a dream to become a pilot, and I was also a Christian. But I was going to use God to get my dream for me and use it on myself. I don't know if you've ever tried this strategy, uh, but it's not a good one. It doesn't work that way. So, God is much more interested in a committed follower and a heart that's devoted to Him than in our occupational goals. And uh, this morning, this morning we s- we sang a song, and it's, you know my passion for Your fame, and uh, God had to teach me that, one to be passionate about Him and then to use our passion. For his glory and one of my passions is to be a pilot and uh, fly airplanes and one of my passions is to turn wrenches on airplanes just a pilot just a mechanic but god can use that too and so whatever you do god can use what you do for his glory and for his fame and uh, with that desire uh, god is able to work through that and he sent me to moody bible institute in spokane washington they have a degree in mission aviation and so i started that that's where i met nicole we got married in uh, august of 2009 and uh, after I graduated in 2012, I was able to stay and teach flight for a while at the school there, too. So,
9: And I was born and raised in Wisconsin. Uh, I accepted Christ as my Savior in high school. And I grew up in a home with a lot of instability and turmoil. Um, and it was at that time that Christ became a real anchor in my life that I so desperately needed. And Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which I'm sure many of you are familiar with, uh, became my life verse to trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not on my own understandings, but in all my ways acknowledge him and he would direct my path. So as I began believing this verse and trusting that God desired good for my life um, and began to follow uh, the direction he was leading me in, I had no idea what adventures he had in store for me. So being here in Chicago with uh, Moody right here in the city and Wisconsin just right above you, I was sent all the way to Spokane, Washington to attend Moody, and that's where my adventure began. Um, With the Heart for Missions, I received a degree in women's ministry, and I really hope to be able to use the tools that I learned to minister to the hearts of the Congolese women so that they, too, can experience God's redemption and restoration in their lives. Along with that, I'll continue my role as a stay-at-home mom, uh, supporting Jonathan in our flying ministry, and then uh, just continuing to make our home a haven for our family and an open door for ministry.
8: That's good support right there. So, um, so I just, through day in and day out of flying and fixing airplanes, I hope to, uh, to make an impact on those that we transport, sharing with them the love and hope of Jesus that lives within us. So we're excited about that. This, just being here, is is tremendous. Your support means so much to us, and uh, we, we have a little table set up over here. We'd, we'd really be honored if we'd get to meet each and every one of you, shake your hand, and, and see if there's any way we can pray for you. Uh, we love your church, and we thank you so much just for, for your support to us and our ministry. It wouldn't be possible without you guys jumping on
7: board, so thanks so much. Okay, let's have some of our elders come forward, and we're going to pray for you, and then we'll pray for our Philippines mission team coming back today, amen, and uh, I think Kay will be staying another week out there, right, and then she'll come back, but it's been a blessing in the Philippines, and you can just see what this awesome couple is giving up to be in that part of the world, What, what a dangerous place to be with those kinds of civil wars, but they're doing it joyfully, so let's pray for them, Father, we thank you for uh, Jonathan, Nicole, and their beautiful family. We pray you bless them. You, su- Lord, you said you would support us and provide for us and guide us. And, Lord, we pray you do that for them. And we pray you use their gifts of service and acts there in Congo for your glory, Lord. Just like he said, fixing planes and flying planes and her taking care of the kids and doing Bible studies. Lord, it may sometimes seem a little to us, but you can do a lot with it. I pray you bless them and comfort them. bring back also uh, Ellie and Lilani safely, and we thank you from the Philippines, all that you did there, and the mission work you're doing here in the church, and all those who are giving, and we pray that you'll uh, bless this church generously, so that we can be blessed to be a blessing, in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, let's give it up for some missionaries, come on, thank you guys. Make sure you check them out and get, let them get you on their email list, and they have a Facebook page and all that good stuff. Let's open up our Bibles to the book of John, chapter 10, verse 10. How many are happy about abundant life today? Good. Open up your Bibles there, and then I'm going to ask you to stand up. We are going to stand up and stretch out our legs a little bit. Come on. You can do more than one thing, can't you? Come on. Stretch up. your uh, Stand up. Stretch out your legs. How many of you guys have an Easter flyer? Do you guys have one? Would you mind setting down your Bible just for a minute and picking it up with me here? Because I want to believe, God, that you are going to invite your friends and family next week. How many want to see Easter filled up in this place? Do you want to see this place filled up next week? I do. And I want to see it with your friends and family. So I want us to pray for three people right now that you want to see give their hearts to Jesus. Would you just close your eyes and name out their names right now? Come on. Steve, Michelle, Ashta, Vivek. Lisa, Tyler, Vega. Lord, I pray for our friends and family right now by name. And I pray, Lord, that next week they will come. Come on, name out their names, saints. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Not a library. It's a prayer meeting right now. Pray for your friends. Pray for your family. If you want me to join with you in prayer, you can Facebook them to me. A few more moments. Right now, who do you want to see come next week and get saved? Accept Jesus. Be set free. Start a new life. Say their names out. And now, Lord, as we're saying their names, we ask that you use us, use these flyers, use Facebook, use uh, going out to lunch, calling up our friends, whatever it takes for us to invite them to see their lives changed. Lord. We're so thankful that you raised again from the dead, Lord. You came to this earth, died and rose for our salvation. You wish that none would perish, that all would come to know and to love you. And we pray today that we and our friends will come to know and love you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said. Amen. How many are going to do it this week and invite somebody? I want to see next week this place packed out. Amen. Okay, let's put up our song. We're doing this for the Easter season, reminding ourselves of God's goodness. This is an old Methodist hymn. One, two, three. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King, the triumphs of His grace, my gracious Master and and my God, assist me to proclaim to spread through all the earth abroad the honors of thy name. Jesus, the name that charms our fears, that bids our sorrows cease. Tis music in the sinner's ears. Tis life in health and peace. He breaks the power of Canceled sin, he sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. Give it up for Jesus one more time. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. That song motivates me. Doesn't it motivate you to get out and tell somebody about Jesus? And so next week we are going to conclude our sermon series, and it's been all for the month of March Abundant Life. Can somebody say Abundant Life? Amen. This is the kind of life that Jesus came to give us. And next week, that's what I'm going to preach on. But all this month, I've been building up for it. The first week of March, I preached about the new life, being born again, having a new life in Christ. Then I taught last week about the free life, being free from sin. And today, we're going to talk about the Spirit-led life. Everybody say, the Spirit-led life. Now, if you are a Christian, that means you believe in the God of the Bible, which is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all you guys know the, uh, the Trinity handshake, right? How many know the Trinity handshake? A few of you. Okay, uh, let's do it again. Come on up here, Augustine. Get somebody by the hand like you're going to do a normal handshake, and I'll teach it to you. Find a neighbor. Boom. Okay, everybody got a hand like that? Okay, and everybody go, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, baby. Come on, do it again. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, baby. And I'll do this. I'll do this. (laughs) So if you believe in the God of the Bible, you believe in the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. The Father is in that place we know as heaven. Jesus is seated at his right hand because he has raised from the dead and he is there. So who is with us upon this earth? the holy spirit the one that jesus sent in his name on the day of pentecost and so here he is with us and he wants to live in us and to lead us in life and what i want us to do is start in that wonderful passage of john 10:10 10, 10. we've been going through it for our whole series this month it's in the amplified version here but follow along in your bible Jesus is talking. He says, the thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Okay, three things the devil came to do. He came to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. did Jesus come that you may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance, have it till it overflows. You guys see the difference? Satan, not good. You do not want to hang out with the thief. He will steal your purpose. He will kill your life and destroy your soul in eternity in hell. But Jesus Christ came to this earth to die on the cross for our sins that we may have and enjoy an abundant life. And remember, our definition of abundant life isn't necessarily abundant things, though it's good to have things if God wants us to have them, but it's an abundance of His Spirit so that whatever we face, whether economy goes up or down, whether our jobs come and go, whether Whether our health is good or bad, we can say it is well with my soul. We can say that God is good all the time and all the time God is good because that is the full life. That is the abundant life. Now I want you to look up here please because I got something I want to share with you. It's a pretty cool introduction and it's going to take a little bit but I want you to concentrate and use your thinker because I believe it will set us up for a great message. Now, I want you to know there's only two types of people in the world, sinners and saints. What are they? Sinners and saints. Obviously, sinners are those who have not been born again. If people say that they choose not to follow Christ, do something else, and yet they think they're not going to hell, they're deceived. By default, unless you're born again, you're in the sinner category. If you say, well, what if I believe in another religion? Then you are a sinner. Only those that are saints have a place in heaven are those who have been born again. And remember, saints aren't just those who have died and have gone to heaven. We pray to them. The Bible says don't pray to anybody in heaven except for Jesus. Saints are actually living people on the earth. Can I hear an amen? Look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. It says, To the saints at Philippi, these were Christian people who were known as saints. So there's only sinners and saints. Now, among the saints, the group of people who are born again and who are Christian, there's two types of them. There are worldly Christians who try to get as close to the edge as they can and still go to heaven. They want to see as close to the world as they can get and still go to heaven. And then there are disciples who say, I'm selling out to be what God called me to be. A disciple is a follower and a student of Jesus Christ, and they want to do all that God commanded. So how many disciples do I have in this place? You don't want to be a worldly Christian, do you? I don't want to see how close to hell I can go and still, how close to hell I can get and still go to heaven. I want to see how close to heaven I can get and still be on this earth. Did you ever read the story about Enoch? He got so close to God, the Lord took him in the Old Testament. I mean, I want to be the kind of Christian that has the kingdom of God in my heart. And so that is a disciple. How many disciples do I have here today? Okay, come on, so I know who I'm talking to. A worldly Christian uses God's grace to continue to sin, but a disciple says, I want to use God's grace to please my Father. Now, when you think about sinners and saints, and then there being really only one kind of saint that God wants us to be, and that's a disciple, we have to understand that the only way you become a saint is by being born again, and that is a new person that God makes you in your soul and spirit, and we've learned that in 2 Corinthians and in John. Jesus said, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again, and in Corinthians he says, whoever is in Christ Jesus is a new creation, the new has come. So how many new creations do I have? How many born-again people do I have? Amen. Amen. Now the Bible says if you have done that, then by default now your sin in your body has been crucified with Christ on the cross. So you are no longer to live a life of sin, but a life of holiness unto Jesus. And now as a Christian disciple, as a follower of Christ's disciple, you will notice that you'll have temptation in two different ways. Inward temptation from your sinful body. So think about this, your flesh did not change when you got born again. How many are born again? Let me see. Okay, when you asked Jesus into your heart, did your eye color change? Did your hair color change? Did your weight change? All of a sudden, did you get skinny? No, you didn't do that. didn't happen, right? If you had hair falling out, did it grow back? No. Did your freckles go away? No. See, when you got changed it made a new creation, it was inwardly, right? But the flesh remained the same. Now, what is your body? What is the flesh the Bible talks about? It is your brain. Your brain is not your soul. Your mind is a part of your soul. Your brain is a part of your body. So your brain has... Thoughts and it has desires and it has memories and it has um, things that go on instinct. So, pheromones can attract you know, can make you feel sexually active, or high blood pressure can make you, you know, want to get angry or get upset. Or if you're having a time of the month, hello, somebody, let me talk to some married people here. Women having a time of the month, the flesh ain't acting right. And you know what? That's not your soul and spirit. And how do we know that? Because if we're Christians, we believe the body dies. The brain dies, the heart dies, but the soul lives on. And so does the mind go with the soul or die with the brain? The mind goes with the soul. So your mind is a part of your soul. So where does temptation come from? Not from your mind, but from your flesh through the brain and the sinful body. But that is inwardly because our bodies have not been changed yet in the resurrection. That's why Jesus raised from the dead so that one day we could get a new body with a new brain, new five senses. Are you guys tracking with me? Is anybody, no, you guys aren't tracking with me? Okay, how how many can say this? Brain, mind, two separate things. Okay, now I can move on outward temptation is when the devil tempts us. Now think about this. Jesus was born of a virgin so that he would have a perfect body like how Adam and Eve had perfect bodies. He is what they call the second Adam. He was given the next, the second chance to start from perfect, to start over again from perfect and just go sinless and Jesus conquered the devil's temptation. The devil had to bring outside temptation because Jesus' brain and body was perfect. Inward temptation was not a problem because he was in a perfect body and remember Adam and Eve never had temptation until they showed up to the tempter. It's not like Adam and Eve were just sitting around themselves going, man, I feel like stealing something. I feel like raping something. No, they had no inclination of sin because their body and their soul was perfect. Can I hear you say perfect? So it was from the outside in the temptation came. But remember, since we're still in this body, as the Bible says, having a precious oil in a jar of clay, your soul and spirit's like the oil and your body's the jar of clay. We will face both inward temptation from our brain and five senses, known as our flesh, and also outward temptation from the devil. And if you remember, we had a sermon series about that, and that was uh, called Spiritual Warfare, How to Stand Against the Devil. Does anybody remember that? Can I hear an amen? So now put this together. Only two types of people, sinner and saints. Among saints, you can be a worldly Christian and try to get away with as much as you can, or you can be a true follower and disciple of Jesus Christ. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, you should pray, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. What you are then praying is deliver me from the temptation of my earthly body and to deliver me from satanic temptation of the devil. How are you going to do that? Well, that is today's message. You need the good shepherd. I need the good shepherd to lead me in his paths of righteousness so I don't fall into the temptation of my flesh or of the devil turn with me quickly to psalm 23 and you'll see the famous psalm of the famous psalm here in the bible teaching us that it's god who leads us who leads us in paths of righteousness god our good shepherd look at psalms 23 starting in verse 1 the who is my shepherd so am i a self-help religious person no do i make myself righteous No, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my what? My soul. How many are refreshed in their soul today? Amen. He guides me along the right paths or the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So how am I going to know to walk the right path? He's going to guide me. That's what we're getting in today's message, the spirit-led life. Because my flesh be coming up with some crazy ideas, and I need Jesus to tell me, don't follow that path, follow the right path. The devil comes up with some crazy ideas, and Jesus is saying, don't follow his path of destruction, follow my path. That's why in verse 4, when it says, even though I walk through the darkest valley or the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why am I not going to fear any evil? Because I'm following him. If he brought me in, he's going to bring me through amen if he brought me in he's going to bring me out because you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me you prepare a table in the presence of my enemies why am i okay to be around my enemies because god's with my enemies if he is giving me the path through the places where my enemies are he's going to tell me to rest in him i got you enjoy some lechon or enjoy some pizza or whatever you like can i get an amen for good food You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Why? Because I'm going where he wants me to go. Surely goodness and love will follow what? Follow me. Why are goodness and love and mercy and these things following me? Because I'm following him. So think about the footprints in the sand, but this illustration like this: God's about two steps ahead of you walking with the footprints, and he's just saying, put your foot right where I put my foot, put your foot in the right job, put your foot in the right relationship, put your foot in the right attitude, and keep walking where I want you to walk. And you know what a sin is? A sin's not just a murder, a bad thing like that. You know what sin literally is in the Greek? Hermenotoi, which means to miss the mark. God said, Step here and you step there. God said, forgive and you say, but I want to be bitter. God says, be in this relationship. You say, no, I still want to hang out with this person. And God is trying to tell you, if you don't walk where I walk, you're going to sin, and sin leads to destruction. But if you walk on the paths of righteousness, it doesn't matter what you faith. Violet's of the shadow of death, boom, I'm with you. You can make it. No matter where you go. Enemies, boom, I'll put a table before you. Why? Because I'm your shepherd. I'm leading you to good pastures and good things. And goodness and love will follow you while other peoples are trying to chase goodness and love. Where's goodness? Let me go get it. Let me go find it. God says, you just follow me and look over your shoulder and goodness and love are right behind you, baby. Because God said, I got your back. Come on, somebody. Surely goodness and love will follow me some of the days of my life. Surely goodness and love will only follow me on the good days. When everybody likes me, says nice things about me on Facebook. Is that what it says? It says, all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why? Because those footsteps are taking us to where God is, hallelujah, to dwell with him forever. I don't know about you, but I know when I've been out in the snow and I'm hanging out with my kids, sometimes it gets so deep, i got to tell them, you just follow my foot tracks right back home, guys. Come on, we're going back home. Don't fall off into the snow and do the other thing. Just keep putting your feet right where Daddy put his feet. And God is saying, I got your back in a crazy world where people don't like you. I'm taking you to be with me in heaven. See, that's what the spirit-led life is like. Can I get an amen? I'm excited today. That is what we're going to learn is how to walk it out. Now, for you to walk it out, you first have to believe you're saved. And I want to clarify what we talked about. This was the first week. The new life, the new life that God gives you is not progressive salvation. Some of you believe that coming to Christ is like being a religious person and now you're going to make yourself better and do a little bit better and do a little bit better. And so you look at it like a progress bar. Maybe the day you came to church and said you're going to start changing your life, you were like at 10%. And now you've been reading your Bible and praying and boop, 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 you're at 20%. And and then maybe you started hanging out with some Christians and boop, 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 you're at 30%. And maybe one day you'll get to be 50-50, half Dr. Jekyll and half Mr. Hyde because you're thinking to yourself yourself i'm never good enough i'll one day get there one day i'll be a a real christian who god wants me to be and where do you get these ideas from not the bible you get it from yourself so you turn to the second flesh book chapter 2 verse 11 and it's not a real book of the bible right but you turn there and you go you go god is still working on me and one day i'll be who he wants me to be because nobody's perfect And you know that's what people think today. They think salvation is some religious thing you're going to do and make yourself better over time. And do you know that in one way or another, that's what every religion believes except Christianity that's what roman catholicism teaches that's what hinduism teaches that's what buddhism teaches that's what islam teaches but that's not what christianity teaches not progressive salvation jesus and the disciples talk complete salvation listen to the bible 2 corinthians 5:17 therefore if anyone is in christ the new creation has come boom download 100% boom the old has gone the new is where here and where is starting right here it's in my soul i'm a new creation the moment i got saved i was born again how many born again people do i have again come on are you new do you believe you're new because if you're new you can live new but if you keep thinking i will never live new until i make myself new that's like trying to clean your car to go bring it to a car wash It's dumb. It doesn't make any sense. You either let God clean you and change your life or you're going to be messing it up all you're going to be doing it all wrong. And imagine if your car had irremovable stains. You would never get it clean enough. You have to come just the way you are and let God renovate you and make you new. Or imagine if you had some sludge on your hands and you said I'm going to clean myself but every time you tried to wipe yourself down and clean yourself all you did is spread the dirt around. You can't self help yourself. Christ makes Christians. Christ makes Christians. You make yourself a sinner. That's the only thing that's going to work for you. If you think, well, I'm going to make myself a better person, you're going to make yourself a mess. Christ makes Christians. You want to see that in the Bible? Come on, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Some of you got some of these passages memorized by now, don't you? Because I've gone over it all month long. Christ makes us Christians. It's not progressively, it's instantly. And I was on Facebook and one of these little sassy young guys, they, they you know looked at my post and they go, well, what does that mean? You change yourself overnight? And I just wanted to go right through the computer and go, are you not listening? Did you not hear what I said? I didn't say I changed myself overnight. Christ makes me a new creation. A broken computer can't fix itself. Hello. If you've got poison in your blood, you can't give yourself a blood transfusion. I'm not saying we change ourselves. I'm saying Christ changed me. Now, if you believe God called, noth- uh, called something out of nothing, then God can call a saint out of a sinner. There was nothing. Boom, God spoke it. There came everything. There was a big bang. I know who banged it. Amen? And if God can make a universe out of nothing, you're saying he can't forgive your sins and be, and be the creator of a new soul inside of you, a new spirit inside of you. How little is your God, my friend? My God's big enough to create the universe and create a new me inside of me. I believe I am who he said I am, and I can do what he said I can do. That is the biblical teaching. Can I hear an amen? Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin. So what's a dead man going to do to help himself? According to the Bible, you're dead. Well, I'm going to pray five times towards a black stone called Mecca in in Saudi Arabia. Won't do nothing for you. Well, I'm going to meditate and do the crooked chicken yoga pose. Won't do nothing for you. Well, I'm going to join this cult and believe that, uh, you know, we all get to become gods when we die, like the Mormon faith. Won't do nothing for you. Well, I'm going to confess all my sins to Father Tom and have him feed me communion like I'm a little baby bird. <coughs> Thank Father Tom. I couldn't do that myself. And then you're going to go into a dark little closet and confess your naughty thoughts to him. And you do that long enough, you might just not go to hell. You might go to purgatory. Hello? Is that what he said to us? He said, no, you were dead in sin. Religion is dead in sin. Everything is dead in sin. You can't help yourself. You're a dead person. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin. And if somebody says, well, I was never dead in transgressions and sin, that's because you're still a sinner, self-deceived, not knowing you're going to bust hell wide open, and you have one of the worst kinds of sin, and that's self-deception and pride. But everybody here that can say, oh, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a nice guy like me. No, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Jesus can only save sinners. He doesn't save self-righteous people. Listen to what he said to self-righteous people. We called them blind guys, snakes, vipers, twice watched or twice dead, whitewashed tombs. God only saves sinners. People who admit, "I'm dead. I'm nothing. I am a sinner." Jesus save me. Those become new in Christ. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin. Thank you for reminding me, Paul. In which you used to live. How many used to live in your sin? When you follow the ways of this world. Yeah, the world loves their sin. And the ruler of the kingdom of the air. That's right. The devil loves to tempt people. And the spirit who is at now in work and those who are disobedient. So the devil, he loves to work overtime on people. And we've all been there at one time or another. Verse 3. All of us lived among them at one time. How many of us? All of us lived among them. What about sweet grandma? Does she live among them? That's right. All of us have lived among them. Gratifying the cravings of our what? flesh my flesh wants more more money wants more status more notoriety more approval more education for selfish ambition right more sexuality right you like that sound that's like a craving sound that's like your flesh. It just wants and wants and wants more religion. Sometimes flesh just wants more religion. Look at me dress up in a funny outfit and, and a pointy hat, right? Look at me. I'm a monk. I live somewhere off in the Himalayas. I can walk on rice paper. See, all of us. Whether we were slanging drugs, going for our Ph.D., or living in some monastery, all of us, if we weren't born again, we were doing it out of our own sinful flesh, doing what our flesh wanted and desired and thought. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of what? Of wrath. Look at your neighbor and say, I was naughty by nature. You better tell your neighbor that. Come on, you better tell them that. I was naughty by nature. Amen. And look at our music industry. Somebody named himself that and thought that was a cute thing. It's just basically saying I'm a child of wrath. And that's what people believed. Uh, that's what they believed about themselves. And they acted like that. But you see, that's what we were. But, come on, how many happy that God put a big old butt right there? But, because of his great love for us, God, who is broken mercy, only got a little bit of mercy. Come on, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. How were you saved? By what? Grace, because Christ made you alive. Without Christ, you're dead in your sins, you're dead in your religion, you're dead in your education, you're dead in your ambitions. You're dead in all that you do, but with Christ, not by works, not by you know those things you do, but by what Christ did for you, you are saved. And God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he may show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. I just double-dog dare some of you to take 10 minutes out of your day this week, sit down in a quiet place, meditate on those two verses, and tell me if it doesn't blow your mind. I am seated with him right now in heavenly places. Somehow my soul is not limited to the way my body is. My body can only be right here, but somehow my soul can be where God is and in this place at the same time. They're right now understanding things about physics and that particles can vacillate from one location to another and still be in one place. It's amazing what God has done in the human soul. I don't know if I transcend there or if heaven is right here but in a different dimension. But I know if it says I'm seated with him in heavenly places where I call my soul, he is there, and I am with him. Do you all believe the Bible? Or did it just say in a long time ago in a universe far, far away, there was a man named Darth Vader, and you were sitting with Luke Skywalker. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. I don't know how, but I know it's happening right now. Look at verse 8. For it is by grace you've been saved. Through what? faith so that means I just believe that he did all that for me and this wasn't even from myself it's the gift of God you know how somebody gets faith to believe all this from God God gives you the faith to believe all this, but you got to be willing to receive faith. Faith is like a seed being planted in hearts right now. The Bible says some hearts are hard. They don't want to hear the word of God, and so the devil comes and snatches that seed. Other people let the seed grow a little bit. Sun comes out, persecution, and takes away that seed, and they say, oh, it's too hard. I don't want to do it. Others have the seed grow for a little bit, then weeds and temptations come and choke it out, but the Bible says the heart that says, I hear the word, I believe the word, they bear fruit 30, 60, 100-fold, and those are the ones who can take Testify, I've been saved, and I know that I'm saved because it's a gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. Now, look at this last part. For we are God's handiwork. We are God's masterpiece created in the self-help work gym, the, self, the self-help religious movement. Where was I created to do to become a handiwork, a masterpiece? Where was I created to do that? In Christ, not in my religion, in who? Christ, but I became in Christ a perfect handiwork, a masterpiece, in another translation, to do good works, what God prepared in us in advance to do. So will I do good works? Absolutely, because God made me to do good works. If you look at a hammer, it's made to hammer a nail. That's the purpose of it. You try to use a hammer to screw in a screw, it's not going to work, Right? You try to use a hammer to drive yourself to work tomorrow, it's not going to work. Are you listening? You try to use your car to hammer a nail, you're going to pop the tires. God made you for a purpose, and it's not for sin. It's for his glory. And when you are born again, following the path of God is literally the perfect size for your life. It's like a footprint perfectly made for you. God has perfectly fashioned and formed you to be righteous and holy and to live it out. And how many want to do good works? Can I hear amen? Let's get to it then. So we know that we are saved the instant we accept Christ. And what's beautiful about that is that Christ came to set us free from not some sin, but all sin. So the Christian cannot now say, Well, I can't live for God. That's too hard, man. I've got too much flesh. I've got too much temptation. No, look at what John 8 31 through 32 says. To the Jews who had believed in him, how many people believe in Jesus here? Then he's talking to you. Come on, how many of y'all believe y'all don't the rest of y'all don't believe in Jesus? Or are you just tired? Come on, it's my second service. Don't get tired on the preacher now. To the Jews who believed in him. How many here believe in Jesus? Raise your hands. Now wave them in the air like you don't care. Now, if you are a Holy Ghost something, everybody say, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. To the Jews who had believed in him. So he's talking to you, even though you're not Jewish by origin, most of you, but this is what he says: if you hold to my teaching, you are really my. Disciple. So you go from being a believer to a disciple when you hold to his teachings. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. Do I set myself free? Can a prisoner locked up in an inescapable cell set himself free? No, he can't. Someone has to set him free. But you got to hold to the teachings. Augustine, can I get your help up here? Let's give it for Augustine as he comes to help the preacher. Now imagine this black rag right here is the teachings of Jesus. I'm going to hold on to it. Now you try to get it out of my hand. Come on. Come on. See, the devil will try to take the teachings of Jesus out of your hand and say, no, you don't have to live holy. Come on, struggle like you mean it. You don't have to live holy. You don't have to obey Jesus. You don't have to be pure. But you hold on to those teachings, and you are free. Somebody say amen. Give it up for Augustine. Thank you, sir. See, I, I believe in Jesus. I hold to Jesus' teachings. I am free all day, every day, baby. That's the truth. You can't bind me back up. It's impossible. I'm holding on to the teachings of Jesus Christ. No sin can ever have dominion over my life again. For those who the sun sets free is free indeed. Stop making excuses because today if you, find, if you say you're a Christian and you say you believe in him and you find yourself in sin, it's no accident, my friend. What you did was let go of the teachings of Jesus. That's what you did. The devil came, or your flesh came, and said, look at pornography. And you said, oh, sure, why not? I guess I'm just hooked on this stuff. You didn't fight for it. You didn't say, I am who God said I am. I'm born again a pure, holy person. I find my sexuality in him. My satisfaction is in him. In the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy. You didn't hold on to it. If I ever sin, if you ever sin, it's only because of one reason. We let go of the teachings of Jesus. We have nobody to blame but ourselves. We can't blame it on the devil, and we can't even say my flesh made me do it because last time I checked, this hand wasn't making me do stuff. Hello, you all want to just be sassy with your body right now. Let's show this body who's in control. Put your hand in the air. Now you put it down when you want to put it down, and then you look at that hand and you say, take that. I control you. I tell you where to go and where to wave and who to hand to shake. I'm in control of you, right? People want to say my flesh made me do it. The devil made me. No, 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 no. Those who are in Christ Jesus, you're free from your flesh. You're free from the temptation or rather from the evil of your temptation. Just because you get tempted doesn't mean that you're evil. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus was tempted, but he wasn't evil. When the temptation comes, you resist in Jesus' name. You hold on to the teachings. You choose by your free will to put your hands, your life, in God's hands. You trust him, and you will see freedom. How many have freedom right now? How many have realized whenever you sinned, it wasn't by accident. It was a choice. God is not going to send people to hell because they tripped and fell. Sin is not you tripping and falling. Sin is making a conscious choice to disobey God. I love when we had our friends over last night, their child wasn't going to bed when they asked them to, and they had to, you know, make that child feel comfortable and do all the good parenting things. But there came a time when they knew the child was dealing with rebellion. It was time to go to bed. You've been made comfortable. We've explained the rules to you. And the child came up one more time, and I think it was Noah, right? We'll use him as an example. And I love what Nicole said to him. He said, she, she said, go back to bed, and he kind of was in that point of decision, and she said, you can choose to obey or disobey, you see that, right there, that child understood that concept, and you're going to tell me that we don't understand that, come on people, let's be real, let's not play ourselves when we think we're playing God, well, God just knows I'm a sinner, no, Jesus died for sinners, so you could be saints, you can't play him like that anymore, hello, somebody, you think I can get pulled over for, you know, traffic today going 90 miles down the, 90 miles going down the highway, get pulled over and just tell the cop, well, I'm just a sinner. I can't help myself. <laughs> you think the police, you think the police are going to arrest somebody and then the person just says, I, I'm just a sinner. I had to beat him up. I couldn't help myself. You think they're going to say, well, sure then. We're all sinners. Just go about your way. In the real world, We hold each other accountable and God's going to hold you accountable, amen? And sin is not an accident. Sin is a violation of the will of God for the things you desire in your flesh or what the devil has lied to you with. I have sinned, you have sinned. We all know what it's like. Let's stop playing make-believe. Let's be who Christ called us to be, and let's learn to walk in the paths of righteousness, amen? Because that's who I came to preach to. I didn't come to people who want to keep living in sin and seeing how much of the devil they can, they can have in their life. I didn't come here to preach to people that ain't that ain't uh, you know dissatisfied with sin that you're still liking no i'm here to talk to people that hate sin hate evil love jesus and want to do what's righteous do you want to live for god or not can i hear an amen Amen. now y'all ready to learn let's get right into it because i want to learn this has blessed me this week go with me now to galatians chapter 5 verse 16 look at your your neighbor and say that was just the introduction now we're ready for the message now we're ready for the sermon i got a sermon to preach to you now that was just to get you ready for this Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 to 25 is going to lay it out so clearly. We have a new life, we have a free life, and now we have a spirit-led life. And the only thing that's going to keep us from living that spirit-led life is our flesh. Because even the devil can't make us do what we don't want to do. And so Paul is going to teach us clearly how to know the difference. Look at verse 16 of chapter 5 of Galatians. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the... Couldn't I just do a mic drop right there? I mean, honestly, couldn't I just say, now go and do it, saints? Go home and do it. I mean, that's so simple. I mean, the Bible is not making, you know, making this complicated. I know as a preacher, I got to study hard and get my education and really come before you prepared, but I want to talk to everybody here. The Bible is not complicated. The Bible is so simple simple. A child can understand it. Walk by the Spirit. And you won't walk by the flesh. You won't get distracted by the things of this world. If you find yourself walking in the flesh, it's because you stopped walking in the what? Spirit. So if I wake up this morning and God says, go make your wife breakfast, and I go, I'm tired and I don't want to. Is that the flesh or the spirit? The flesh. Now, if I follow the spirit and take my behind downstairs to make her some breakfast, is the spirit going to empower me to make her a good breakfast? That's right. He's going to put a smile on my face. I'm going to get the reward of the good labor that I put in, a happy wife, happy life. Hello. So some people here all upset and they don't understand their worst enemy staring them at them in the mirror. You keep letting the flesh dictate your life and identity. Instead, you need to look at the spirit and let that dictate your life and identity. I am not this earthly body with its cravings and desires and a brain that's gone crazy, a broken hard drive. I am not the the accumulation of my memories and failures and anger and fear. I am a new creation in Christ. This body will die and I will live on in glory with him forever. So I choose. Come on, somebody say I choose to walk by the spirit. And not gratify the desires of the flesh. If I don't do that, then that's why I repent. Have I messed it up as a Christian? Yeah. I'm not saying I've always done it right, but I'm not making an excuse for it. I'm just saying this is the high life. This is the great life. This is the abundant life. Amen? For the flesh desires what's contrary to the spirit. Your five senses in a physical brain wants the opposite of what God wants. And what the spirit wants is contrary to what the flesh wants. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. You are not your flesh, and you're not the capital S spirit, the Holy Spirit. You are a unique soul in between these two worlds, God's kingdom and the fleshly world. But your soul has been born again if you are a Christian. So you start the game or the race at the finish line you start with the download of salvation you're not earning it you start with it and now you are to keep it you are to guard it you are to grow in it are you with me come on somebody say i'm with you pastor but if you are led by the spirit you're not under the law what does this mean if i'm following the spirit i don't need to hear in my ear every five minutes don't murder don't commit adultery don't steal why because the spirit's never going to lead me into adultery like that one post says, ladies, God's never going to send you somebody else's husband. Hello, fellas, God's never going to send you somebody else's wife, right? God's never going to lead you on the path of lying and stealing and adultery. Well, I just think it's God's will to lie on these taxes because I can get more money and give them to my family and the church. That is the flesh. God will never lead you into sin. He never will. How many believe that? Or do you think there's ever a time where Jesus is like, psst, come follow me. Shh, this is just between us. I got some sin. I got some sin I've been wanting you to do. I think sometimes people think Jesus is like that. Like Jesus is that guy with that dark hat on with, you know, the little jacket. And he's like got his leg kicked up against the store. And he's like, psst, hey, kid, kid, come on over here. I got something for you. Like, do you think Jesus is ever like that? Or do you think there's ever a time when Jesus is like, like you're at a point of decision, and he's like, hey, you can keep following me. Or he goes, or you know what? You can go here and do some sin. I'll be cool. I'll just wait, and I'll forgive you when you get back. It'll be our little secret. You think Jesus is like that? Because that's how I think people treat him all the time. Like, Jesus is like, go ahead and sin. I'll be here when you get back, and we'll just hang out again. Jesus is trying to teach us to hate sin. He's trying to show us that sin is death. He's trying to teach us there's a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's trying to show us there's this other thing that he's doing called life, that God's doing called life. And we should want life and not death, amen? And we should want righteousness and not holiness. And so when he saw the world bound by sin, dead in sin, he said, I will set them free by the cross. So if you ever want to see how serious Jesus is about sin, look at the cross. It's not a game to Jesus. There's no little or big sin Jesus is saying, I'm cool with. Look at what it costs to forgive us of our sin. That should be our mindset when we think about sinning. Sinning is not for me. It cost my my Savior his life. Now, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Here, Paul's going to say, hey, if you don't know what the flesh is, let me just draw this out for you. Now, for us today, we could be like, you don't know what the flesh is? Watch the Real Housewives of Jersey Shore or, or watch a video on YouTube or watch the last Miley Cyrus video, right? Okay, so here's what it is. Sexual immorality, that's what your flesh and brain and five senses your body wants. Impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, Dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit what? What will they not have, friends? The kingdom of God. Can you go to heaven living in the flesh? No, you cannot. Now, what's so beautiful about this is notice, he says the acts of the flesh. Or another translation says the deeds of the flesh. These are the things you do in the flesh. You make these things happen. But guess what he contrasts the spirit with? He says, but the what of the spirit? The fruit, do you make an apple tree grow? Do you make it grow? No, you let it grow. You prepare a place for it to grow. You plant the seed and cultivate the ground so it can grow. Do you make love grow in your heart? No. Do you make joy grow in your heart? No. You just let God plant it in you and cultivate you and grow you into who he wants you to be. Do you see the difference? One is something you do. I'm doing the flesh. I'm in this thing. This is me. I'm doing me. The other one says, I'm letting God I'm letting God do this. I'm letting go and letting God. So what is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Angels are never going to come down and be like, Woo, 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 pull over, pull over. How much love have you had today? Oh, I, don't, I don't know, officer angel. I don't know. Well, let me see you walk the love line. Rest him, put him in jail. He loved too much. God is never going to say there's a law against having too much love, too much joy, too much peace, too much patience. Are you with me? There is no law against those things. You can have as much as you want. So do you want sexual immorality or do you want love? Come on. Do you want anger and hatred and envy or do you want joy and peace and patience? Do you want selfish ambition or do you want kindness and goodness? Do you want orgies, witchcraft, idolatry, or do you want faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Your choice my choice. Jesus came to set us free. How do you want to live? Who do you want to be now? You can't blame the devil. You can't blame the flesh because the Spirit came to set you free, and you could have as much of this as you want. There's no law against it, and so here's the conclusion as we get to the message. Since we live by the Spirit, let us what? Keep in step with the Spirit. And we call this a a biblical sandwich. Verse 25 ends with saying, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And there here in the verse 16 says, let us walk with the Spirit. So here you see the bun of walking with the Spirit at the end, keeping in step with the Spirit, and all that good stuff to teach us what it means. Do you get it? He's making a point here. Walk with the Spirit. Don't do what the flesh does. Flesh is crazy. does all this. Spirit does this, so walk with the Spirit. That's what his point is. So you and I need to look at these things and make sure that our mind is made up, that we're done with the flesh, that we have spent enough time doing it, that we don't want it anymore. We want Christ. Sexual immorality is lust and sex with a married person. That's like adultery. Impurity is any kind of sex outside of marriage. That's homosexuality as well as oral sex and uh, sex with yourself. Debauchery is perverse behavior, wild parties. Idolatry is putting anything before God. Could be sports, jobs, relationships, education. Witchcraft is drug use and satanic practices. In the Greek, witchcraft means pharmakia. What does pharmakia sound like? It sounds like pharmaceuticals. Somebody said fornication, close, but pharmacia, pharmaceuticals. Where we get our word pharmacy from is where they use the word witchcraft. Why? Because witchcraft, like with the Native Americans doing peyote and worshiping their god, witchcraft involved drug use. And so now today people may not be worshiping a pagan god, but witchcraft is still a part of drug use. So be careful when you uh, try to think that drugs are harmless. They actually have a satanic element to them. And those of us who have done drugs will tell you we understand that's very satanic. Can I hear an amen? We know what hatred is. Discord literally means to tear apart a cord. Think of a rope or a cord with multiple strands and you're tearing it apart. You're separating good people. Jealousy, wanting what someone else has. Fits of rage, fighting, swearing, breaking things in anger. Selfish ambition, doing things for your own personal benefit. My family, my job, my house, my community. It's not just about you and your four no more. Hello, somebody. We're here to help. We're here to be a serving people. Not just about our self-dissension, you know, same thing. A lot of these are are, are similar, like discord, faction, same thing, you know, tearing things apart, envy, just like jealousy, drunkenness, excessive drinking. Now, I believe in drinking in moderation because Jesus made wine. Can I hear an amen? He wasn't making grape juice. It was called wine for a reason, okay? But if you're like, well, Pastor, what if, you, what if you tell people they can drink? Everybody's going to get drunk all the time. Well, I'm going to tell them they're stupid because being drunk is a sin. And if you be drunk all the time, you can't inherit the kingdom of God. And then if they're like, well, well how do you know the difference? I'm like, if you don't know the difference, you yourself are dumb. Anybody here that's ever drank has, will tell you the difference. This guy drinking wine with his friends and family, hanging out, sober, he's good. The guy that's falling down, puking on himself, trying to dance or do whatever, that's not good. That's drunk, okay? And if you don't know the line in between, then stay as far as to the sober side as possible. If you don't know, then don't drink, Amen. You're going to be held responsible for how you have handled your alcohol. Orgies, we got to talk about that. That's sex with uh, multiple people at one time. And then Paul says the like. You know, he's not going to name every single little sin. He's like, but these are pretty much summarizing what sin looks like. How many know what the deeds of the flesh look like? How many don't want them? Okay, because if there's anything inside your heart today going, man, I wish I could have some orgies and still go to heaven, you're not going to heaven with that heart. If you're like, well, I wish I could still get drunk and party with my friends, uh, you're not going to heaven with that heart. Your heart hasn't been changed. You haven't been born again. But how many of us have been born again, and when we were born again, Christ put things inside of us called his character, his righteousness, and we said, we're done with fits of rage. We're done with selfish ambition. We're done with uh, discord and all of these wild things. Is anybody else here saved? I didn't change myself. Christ changed me. And when I say he changed me, I mean he changed my desires. Can I show that scripture to you? Turn with me quickly to Ezekiel where God changes our desires. True salvation changes desires. Amen. Look at Ezekiel chapter 33. Look at Ezekiel chapter 33 where God changes the desires of our heart for his desires and for his things. He puts his spirit in us, spirit to move us. I may have the wrong chapter, to move us. It's going to be Ezekiel 36, rather. Turn with me to Ezekiel 36 and see how God does salvation. Now, this is where I want to be honest with you. If people are here today and you say, Pastor, well, I called on the name of Jesus and prayed, but this hasn't happened, then I want to be very honest with you. You are not saved. And I don't mean that to be angry with you. I just mean to tell you, you need to get saved, really get saved. Because whatever you did, if it wasn't this, you did it wrong. Because there isn't like like two kinds of salvations. There's only one salvation. The worldly Christian knows that they've been saved but keeps making excuses. So even them, they would say, well, I know God has changed me or I know God has saved me. But if you're saying you don't know that you've been saved or changed or a heart transplant, my friend, you're not saved. And I want to be honest because I live in a culture like you of all types of people. Most of them say they're Christian, go to church. A lot of people aren't saved. Some pastors aren't saved, right? So don't think to yourself that, oh, man, I tried that and it didn't work. No, no, no. You need to do it the right way because it works every time. Look at Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a messed up heart. Is that what it says? I will give you a heart that still loves to sin and get away with it because you got grace and you can do all that you want and still go to heaven. Is that what it says? I will give you a new heart. So if I ever hear anybody tell me, well, my heart's so messed up, I tried that, didn't change me, you didn't get saved. Because according to the Bible, when you get saved, you get a new heart. And I'm glad I'm not alone in this church because there's people here that have new hearts. God changed my heart November fifth, 1995. It wasn't a self-help religion, and it wasn't done over 30 years of me going to AA or spiritual AA, whatever you want to call it, Sinners Anonymous, SA. It was when I said, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm dead. Will you make me alive? And I came alive, and a new heart came there, and I instantly started feeling conviction over sin. I started instantly knowing what God was leading me to do. I didn't always do it, but I knew God was in me, and I knew I was changed. I'll give you a new heart, and I'll put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone. So is the heart of stone and the heart of flesh still there, the new heart and the old heart? No. No? I will take out that heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees oh come on somebody this is literally daddy coming next to us going come on there you go come on come on come on let's get out of bighooters.com come on shut down that website come on come on stop talking that way stop cursing stop swearing stop taking my name in vain come on come on son Come on, young lady, stop dating that man. He's not saved. Stop dating that young lady. Come on, come on, come on. You can do it. He moves you. He moves you. He moves you. He puts his spirit inside of you. And he says, I am your shepherd. You shall not want. I will make you lie down next to green pastures. I will restore your soul. I will lead you. I will lead you in paths of righteousness for my name's sake. Because my name's on the line here. You're you're calling on my name, and Jesus says, I take that serious. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Hallelujah. How many believe God's on the inside of them? If you don't believe that, I'm being honest. Everybody look up at me, please. I love you so much. If you don't believe that's happening in your life, meet us up here. We will pray with you. We're not priests. We can't give it to you, but we will pray with you so you can accept this into your heart. Accept Jesus. Amen. Now, what is that fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit is such a beautiful analogy of God blessing us with His character. The fruit of the Spirit is really the character of God. And so I'd like to ask Rachel to come in closing. And with an attitude of prayer, now with you understanding the message, how many understand the message, the Spirit led life? Right? You're not going to be led by the what? Flesh, but you're going to be led by the, boom, you got the message. There it is. The flesh does a lot of crazy things. We just listen to them all. The Spirit does all the good things. How many want the fruit of the Spirit? Boom. Here's what I'd like to encourage you with, simple prayers that you would incorporate into your life to let God know that you want his fruit in your heart, that you want love, that you want joy, that you're choosing that. You're saying, that that is what I want. God, you died on the cross for me. You've forgiven me of my sin. You've come to live inside of me. You're moving me to follow your laws and your decrees. Listen to this. God, I ask now for your perfect love. How many want perfect love that drives out all fear, as the Bible says? God, I ask for your perfect love to be developed in my life today. Help me to love my enemies, to forgive those who hurt me, to be a vessel of your love to the hurting. Empower me to love with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love my neighbor as myself. No matter where I go today, help me to come and go in love. Give me the steps, Lord. Give me the steps when I go to the post office, and it's a long line give me the steps of love so I don't leave out there yelling and hollering. I've yelled and hollered before in the post office. That's why I use that as an example. One time, I was at a restaurant. They didn't treat my wife and I right. I yelled at the top of my lungs in a restaurant. I'm not telling you I've always done this right. But there's no excuse in me anymore. Because I know God is always setting a path. And when I did that, I felt so convicted. Before I was saved, I would have been like high-fiving my friends. Look at how I treated them. But now with Christ in me, I could tell I didn't move the way he wanted me to move. How many marriages can relate to that? How many fathers and mothers can relate to that? You're raising your kids. Now you yell out of anger. You take a misstep. And it's like you got to go back to your kids and go, Bethany, I am so sorry. I, I yelled and I didn't do this like Jesus. You see, I'm not making excuses. Well, I got flesh, Bethany, and it was a hard day, and my blood pressure, and I was stressed. No, Bethany, daddy had a choice, and daddy made the wrong one. Do you forgive me? Because daddy's going to follow Jesus' steps next time when I'm in that situation. God, give us your joy. God, I receive your joy today. I declare that since you are with me, I have the fullness of joy. In his presence is the fullness of joy, and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore, Psalm 1611. I choose to rejoice in you always. If I'm at a funeral and I'm crying my eyes out, can I still rejoice in God? Because God is always good, isn't he? That's how I comfort people at funerals. I don't say forget about the pain of the loss. I just say don't forget about the goodness of our God. You understand? And one day, dark, uh, soon, dark, uh, light overcomes darkness. You feel the pain in the moment, but you keep rejoicing in God. Eventually the day comes up, doesn't it? it? says weeping endures for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Yeah, you'll go through hard times, but you rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. You keep rejoicing, and light overcomes darkness. I I choose to rejoice in you always. Help me by your spirit not to let the devil, this world, my problems, or others take away your joy from my life. I choose to be happy and full of joy because you are with me and you are always worth celebrating. Peace. Father, I receive your peace today in the name of the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. You know what peace means? Shalom, without storm. There may be storms around us, but God is saying I'll bring peace peace with inside of you. There was a storm that Jesus was on. uh, in. He was on a boat and he was in a storm. And what was he doing? Sleeping. He was teaching us, I can give you peace in the midst of a storm. Many times people come to church and they think that God is promising peace by changing their situations. And when the situation doesn't change, they think God's not real. God never promised to be your genie in a bottle and change everything you want to change in your life. As a matter of fact, he showed us how to go through the most horrific things in life. And still have peace. Jesus was crucified, wasn't he? Jesus wasn't made a king and brought to Apollos. They crucified him, but was he at peace? Yeah, he was. Our martyrs, the Christian martyrs that he talked about, were at peace in their soul. Because they knew their peace came from the Prince of Peace. I surrender control of my life into your hands because I trust in your plans for me. I can rest in your presence. I know that you will keep my mind at peace when I keep my mind on you. Because of you, I'm free from all worry, fear, and anxiety. I am at perfect peace in your loving arms. The peace of God will transcend your understanding, the Bible says. Patience. How many need patience today? How many believe God is going to give you a path of patience in your life? Come on, how many believe it? How many believe he's a good shepherd? Or do you think, come on, let's, let, let's use this as an example. We got, my wife and I were in the car with my kids, six of us were in the van. A guy ran a red light, totaled both our cars, broke my wife's ankle, had to go to the hospital. That was a Saturday night, and I was getting ready to go home and go to church tomorrow, uh, the next day. You with me? Everybody asked me, how did I react? I acted in patience. Why? Because I saw Steps. See, I can give testimony of when God's done it. That's why I know if I've done it wrong, it was never God's fault. When that happened, I saw steps. Pray for your wife. Help the kids get into the ambulance. Be patient. It's going to take time for her to recover. Go to the first surgery. Go to the second surgery. When she went to the second surgery, I was crying like a baby as they took her from me to take her under. She was under for six hours. Put like 20-some screws and two plates in her leg. There was, there was this thing called patience that God was stepping that I could see and I could just see if I just step with him. I don't, I don't know how. I don't know how I took my four kids to the mall and celebrated my Bethany's seventh birthday without my wife there not breaking down crying. I don't know how the next day I took them all to get their haircuts and two updos for the girls and not lose my mind, but I just kept, Following Jesus' steps. How many have been led through some valleys of death, but you didn't fear because God was with you? And even if you felt afraid every now and then, he reminded you, I'm with you. Patience. When I think I can do something faster, remind me that your ways are not my ways, that your calendar is not on my schedule. I will live in your strength, knowing that whatever I face today is in your plan and that you've made a way of escape that will come at the appointed time that you have set. Kindness. How many want to be kind in life today? Father, teach me today to be kind and considerate of other people's feelings. Help me to look past my own selfish desires and see the hurts and needs of others. May your spirit give me compassion for the lost. May your spirit give me compassion for Bernie Sanders supporters. May your spirit give me compassion for Donald Trump supporters. May your spirit give me compassion for Muslims. May your spirit give me compassion for gangbangers. May your spirit give me compassion for people who don't live the way I think they should live. Help me be kind and not try to make them be the way I think they should be. I'm going to preach the truth, I'm going to do what I need to do, but I got to be compassionate. How many think we need some compassion and kindness in Chicago today? Make me compassionate for the lost, understanding of the weak, patient for the insulting. Was Jesus patient when they insulted him? And love for all. I choose to be kind instead of being rude or discourteous. Today I want people to see you in me. I want Donald Trump supporters to see you in me. I want Bernie Sanders supporters to see you in me. I want gangbangers to see you in me. I want Muslims to see you in me. I want Caitlyn Jenner to see you in me. Are you guys listening? I want this world to see Jesus. Do you want to be kind? Goodness. God, I want to be good because you are always good. I want to do good things today because you always operate out of goodness. You think there's ever a time when God does something bad? So what's our excuse? If God's in us leading us, do we have an excuse to do something bad? We should say, God, show me how to be good like you're good. May your spirit use me to show others your goodness. Let my words and actions and thoughts be good to those whom they're directed. God, when I think about people, let my thoughts be about them good. Not bitter, not angry, not unforgiving. Because I stand in your goodness and by your spirit, I choose today to walk in goodness. It gets quiet when I preach like this, doesn't it? It's a prayer. It's a prayer for all of us, isn't it? Father, I want to be faithful. I just don't want to proclaim my love for you. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I just don't want to sing it and tell it. I want to demonstrate it by living a life faithful to you and your commands. I just don't want to tell my wife, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you, honey. I want to show my wife. I just don't want to tell the church, I love you, I love you, I love you. I want to be faithful to the church. I want to be faithful, Lord. I'm going to cry saying this. Come on, I want to be faithful, Lord, to you and your commandments. Empower me to be faithful to my family, to Bethany, to Hannah, to Lucas, to Zoe, to the child on the way. May they never see me as an unfaithful husband. May they never see me falter in my walk with you, Lord. Who else is praying that today for their family? I want to be faithful to my friends, my church, my job, my community, and most importantly to you, let my word be taken seriously to those I give it. Help me to fulfill every promise and commitment I make today. I accept your faithfulness and choose to live by it in every area of my life. And here's my word to you. If I break my word to you, I owe you an apology. If I say I'm going to call you and I don't, I owe you an apology. There's no big I's and little you's here. Big bad pastor, just too busy to get to you. Big bad boss hog pastor. I'm just a pastor and I'm just boss hog up here. I'm just too busy. My friends, why do you think we have all these pastors? Because when I couldn't do it, I I sent someone else to do it. Connect, mentor, send. People are being sent into your life. If I can't keep my word to you, I'm not going to give my word to you. Do you understand? I can't answer every call. That's why I got someone else to answer the call. But I'm answering their calls because who's counseling Pastor Berto and Griselda? Who's counseling Tony and Jerry? Who's counseling our youth pastor? Do you understand? At some point, a pastor has to say, I can't be there for everybody, but I'll be there for as many as I can. But I said in a church setting, I said, I will make disciples that make disciples. So if you ever hear a word from me and I break it, you owe, I owe you an apology. And you owe it to me to tell you. Gentleness. God, teach me to be humble and gentle like Jesus. Help me to lower myself so that you can lift me up. Remind me of the saying in Matthew twenty three eleven: the greatest among you will be the biggest pimp of all. Is that what Jesus said? The greatest among you is going to be the biggest pimp of all. Big boss. No, what does it say? The greatest among you will be the servant of all. Have you ever noticed how much harder it is to serve people than it is to tell them what to do? It's easy to tell people what to do. You do this, you do this, you do this. Even in your family, husband do this, wife do this, kids do this. But you notice how different it is for you to serve your kids, serve your family, serve your wife, serve your husband? Lord, help me have strength. It takes real strength to be a servant, doesn't it? to be a servant of all and prefer others above myself. Help me to carry my cross, crucify my ways, wants, and needs. Help me to live for your glory according to your ways I look so I can look to others' wants and needs so I'm not so busy about myself all the time. You know, you meet a college student, you know, a freshman in college, they think they're the first one to ever go to college. Like, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. I'm like, I got four kids and I still pray. Are you listening to me? You're wasting time. College students are making it rain with their time. They don't know what to do with it. They're wasting it. You have time to live for God's. You have time to stop being selfish. Are you listening to me, young adults? Can I get an amen? And for any adult being selfish, stop wasting your life. Give it away for the glory of God. I do, and by the way, I got A's. I get A's. I got A's. Amen. I'm a good student, but I give away my time. I don't selfishly keep it and say I'm too busy for God. I declare today I'll be gentle and meek by your spirit. I'll lower myself so Jesus can be lifted up. And here's the last one. Look at the fruit of the spirit like bookends on a shelf. Love, self-control, and everything in the middle. If you got love and you got self-control, you can really work with those eight, uh, those seven in the middle. Because self-control and love is what controls uh, and, and motivates everything. Love motivates and control, uh, self-control um, operates. Love motivates, self-control Operates. Thank you. Help the preacher. God, I give control of my life to you today. Free me from all bad habits, addictions, selfish attitudes, harmful thinking, destructive behaviors. I choose today to allow your spirit to guide all the areas of my life. How many areas? How many areas do you want to give God control over? I know sometimes people say, Jesus, take the wheel. I don't want just Jesus, take the wheel. I want him to take the keys in the car and I'm going to go in the trunk for a little bit. Because you ever have somebody sit shotgun? And they still messing with stuff, touching your stereo, touching the heating, touching the air and all of that. I just feel like if I'm that close, I still might mess it up. It's not just Jesus here, you drive, I'll sit here. No, it's Jesus, you take the car. I'm just going to go right back here, shut myself in the trunk, click, and you take me where I need to be. Some of y'all don't even know this. I'm not from Chicago. I'm born and raised in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I've been on a mission trip ever since I've been 19 years old. You are my missionary people. Are you understanding? You're my Congo people. Here I am among the natives of Chicago. And some of you aren't even born here here as well, right? But think about that. Here's some white boy from the suburbs living in Fort Wayne. God puts a call on his life at 19, brings him down to New Orleans, then brings him up to Chicago. I'm just doing what God said because he's driving, boop, boop, and I'm enjoying it, amen? have control over my time management. How many know, I'm so busy, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. You're just a little busy bee, aren't you? Do you know that God made your day? And he says, I can help you manage your day. Well, there is a thought. (laughs) All of my little busy bee people here today, have you ever asked the creator of the day to look at your calendar? When was the last time you took 10 minutes out with your calendar and said, Jesus, help me reschedule these things? just makes me laugh sometimes. We, we, we think we're so smart, we can't even create a germ. God creates the universe, and we act like we're too busy for Him. God, take control over my day. Take control of my work, my diet, my relationships, my hobbies, my money, my thought life, my entertainment, my family. Jesus, take I double-dog dare you to say that with me. Jesus, take control. My life is yours. I won't make excuses for my lack of control because I'll give you control and declare by your spirit, I will live a life honoring you in all my ways. And I know I'm going late today, but see this last illustration in closing because next week it's going to be awesome. It's going to be Easter. But get the teaching here of of the sermon series. When you were born again, your spirit was made new. God moved inside of your heart. The body became a temple of the Holy Spirit. Your mind, will, and emotions were renewed. You were reborn and created in righteousness and holiness by the Holy Spirit. You still live in a body of flesh that's influenced by the brain and its five senses, touch, taste, see, smell, and hear, and all that. And this body's going to die. Your brain's going to die. Your fingers are going to die. Your tongue, your taste is going to die. Your eyes, everything's going to die. But your soul and spirit are going to live on. And so right now, while you're in... The shadow lands, as some call it, the time of testing. You are to count yourself crucified with Christ in the flesh and alive in the spirit. When Christ died, he died for you to live a new life. Now if you don't think that's true, let me ask you what this scripture means. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. If it doesn't mean what I preach to you today, will you please come see me after service and tell me what this means? Because I must have missed it, right? But how many believe you've heard today what this means? Live by the Spirit. Joe was put up on that cross when Jesus went there. But November fifth, 1995 is when I believed it. When I was dead in sin, he died for me 2,000 years ago because he knew all of us. But it was the day that we got sa- saved that said, I believe it now. Jesus is Lord. And I died so that he can live. Can I hear an amen? Isn't that precious? That's so precious. Nothing, nothing but just the joy of the Lord there. Here's some things I want you to remember in closing, the th- third closing, if you're keeping count. You are not your flesh. You are a spiritual soul made a new creation that's holy, blameless, and perfectly righteous by the Holy Spirit. Your body, under the judgment of sin, will die, but your soul and spirit will live on. Though you are not your flesh, you are responsible for what you do while you're in your flesh. You are responsible for what you do here. But one day, Jesus is going to ra- because Jesus raised from the dead, one day you will receive a new glorified body. How many are ready for your resurrection? Your new body. And you will live with him forever upon the new earth. Can we just close our eyes now in an attitude of prayer? Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you. Band and altar workers, would you come, please? Would you look at your life? And I want to start off by asking some of you today, because I know there's always visitors here. Have you been born again? And if you haven't, right now, just in an attitude of prayer, would you ask the Lord to make you a new creation? Would you repent of your sins and make Jesus the Lord of your life? Would you say, I believe Jesus died for me so that my flesh would be counted as dead and my spirit and soul would come alive? Just look at your heart. And those of you who would say, you know, I'm pretty pretty, uh, safe. Uh, I'm believing I'm saved. Would you pray right now for others to get saved, to get born again? Right now, right now, come on. We're praying for some of you right now. Jesus, we ask that no one will leave out here the same way they came. they will repent. You know what repent means? Repent means to turn around with sorrow from the things you've done and go in the right direction. You're repenting, repentance. You're saying not only am I sorry for the things I've done but I'm turning now in the opposite direction. Are you wanting to change direction? Okay, now for the rest of us, you may say, Pastor, I am saved. I am saved. But I want you to search your heart now. To see, are you a worldly Christian living by your flesh, not really seeing any victory in your life, or are you a disciple of Christ free from all sin? Which one are you today? The Bible says in Psalms 139, search me and know me, O God, and see if there's any wicked way in me, and lead me in the paths of everlasting life. I'm searching my heart. Trust me, I've seen pastors fall. I've seen Godly people, backslide. This is for everybody. Just search your heart. Is there any deed of the flesh that as a Christian you've been, you know, compromising with, making excuses for, and you have been sinning without repentance, without true sorrow and without true change? If that's you, would you say, Lord, forgive me? Lord, forgive me. Come on, say, Lord, change me. Make me holy. Make me new. Renew me. Renew renew me God in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus right now Lord will you do it will you do it God Jesus renew and change and now for the third one let's say you're in here and you're like man I'm a disciple because truly if everybody was following my prayer even if you started as someone not saved you would have asked Jesus into your heart right you'd be ready to be a disciple now. Or if you came here as a worldly Christian and you've repented, you're ready to be a disciple. So truly, this last prayer should be for everybody who wants to be a disciple. I want you, when you're ready, to stand to your feet and sing this song with us with your hands raised and start to declare, Jesus, be the center of my life. When you're ready, I want you to declare it if you don't want to stand, you don't have to. But I want to know in this church who is with me today and is saying I'm ready to be a disciple. Rachel, would you start singing? And as you're ready to stand, would you do it as a declaration? Would you do it as a declaration saying I am who God said I am. Jesus be the center of it all. From beginning to the end. From beginning to It's always been you, Jesus. We're going to sing it a few more times. Come on, who wants to go 100% for Jesus today? Who wants to live the abundant life? Sing, Jesus. Would you turn her mic up a little bit, please? And Stephanie, would you come to a mic as well? Come on, let's sing it out. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end. Will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Let's sing it again, but this time say, Jesus at the center of my life. Jesus, Jesus. If you're standing, do you believe who God said He is? Do you believe you are who He said you are? Do you believe you can do what He said you can do? Come on, let's sing it out today. From beginning to the end always be it's always been you Jesus now let's declare from my heart to the heavens from From my heart to the heavens Jesus be the center center. it's all about you I'm going to walk in your spirit today I'm going to go where you lead me today Jesus, my heart, heart to the, the heavens. heavens. Jesus, Jesus be the center. It's, it's, yes, it's all about you. For those of you who are married or engaged to be married, would you raise your hands right now? I'm going to pray for marriages to keep in step with the Lord, and I'm going to bid you to come to the life group tonight if you can. It's a one. It's definitely one worth coming to. All those couples here, God, I pray they will keep in step with you. Teach them to love you and love each other. Teach them to honor one another. Teach them to submit to one another. Teach them to care for one another. May all of us husbands love our wives as Christ loves the church. May all the wives here love their husbands as you have called us to love you, God. Let our love, God, in our marriages reflect you and your love for us. Now, if you're a parent here, would you just raise your hand? Parents, mothers, fathers, come on, and pray for you to keep in step with the Lord. God, I pray you'll show us the steps to take as fathers, as mothers. We don't know what to do without you, God. We don't know how to raise our children in a wicked and perverse world without you. So guide us. Give us the steps to take, Lord. We'll follow you when we don't do it right. Teach us to repent so our children will know our humility. May we not make excuses for brokenness and sin. May we show them a healthy and whole family. Oh, God. Oh, God, do it. Even if it's a single mother or single father, it doesn't matter. Let our children see whole families. If you're here today and you work any kind of job and you want to work it as unto the Lord, would you raise your hands right now? I want to pray for you, Lord. Show us the steps to take that we may work in our heart and do all things as unto you, not unto men, that we would be upon our job faithful, committed, servants, compassionate, kind and good, with self-control. And Lord, if we need to move from one job to another, we'll do it with integrity. If we need to move employees from one position to another, we'll do it with integrity. For those of a starting business may we do it for your glory oh god and all that we do and all that we do let it be for you and all that I do may it be for you And now those who love this church and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, would you raise your hands? We're going to sing this, Jesus, be the center of your church. And listen, we're not just singing it for Metro Praise International. We're singing it for the churches of the Philippines that we were just at. We're singing it for the churches of the Congo, those in the underground church in China. We're going to sing out today, Jesus, be the center of your church. Come on, sing it with me today. Oh, God, be the center of your church today.
2: Let Easter around this world be full
7: of the saints in your glory, God. This season of the year, God, use your church to change the world. We're going to sing it one more time, I some of y'all got to listen to this. Do you know that Easter is the most, most opportune time around the world, especially in persecuted nations for the gospel to be preached? So when I'm singing this, I'm singing it for Pakistan. My Pakistani brothers and sisters write me all the time. They have our books and they're making disciples and they say pray for us for Easter. It's the one time that the Muslims give us a break. It's the one time for whatever reason they let us worship more in public, more boldly. We invite our friends and family. Come on friends, would you believe this Easter not only at Metro Praise but around the world especially in places like Pakistan the gospel would be preached and God's glory would be there one more time Jesus Jesus, be the center of your church the body of Christ, the bride of Christ Oh Jesus be the center of your church around the world today Oh from beginning Yes, Lord. It will always be. It will always be. Always be you, Jesus. In closing, I'm going to ask right now that our missionary friend Jonathan would come. If you notice when he told his testimony, can you look up here in closing? If you notice that when he told us his testimony, there was a change of steps, a change of paths. He was wanting to be a pilot, even as a Christian, flying maybe those 747, those Boeings that they take overseas, right? But God said, no, I want you to be a pilot, but I want you to fly a different kind of plane. And now watch, and I want you to land and take off from a different kind of runway, a different kind of path. And some of you may be thinking that God has an O'Hare runway for you, but really he's got a Congo runway for you. Did you see that runway in the Congo? Just look like a grass field, right? See, some of the things you are going through and I go through, we think are wrong, but God is saying, I'm using it for your good. Just be patient. And I heard that in my heart in the first service, and I want to say it again. How many times have I got upset with God because I'm landing and taking off in some grass field, and I'm wanting to be at O'Hare on some six-lane, you know, airline, uh, you know, airport, and God is saying, no, I want you right here. I want you right here at 5405 in three storefronts. I want you right here. I want you right here. And that's what I think we can learn from our missionary is God said, let me direct your steps and I'll take you to paths and places you never imagined. So get ready for God to take you some places that you never thought. And you may think you're resisting the devil, but if you're being patient and hearing from God, you might actually be fighting against the will of God. I remember I broke up with my wife. Some of you all don't know the story, but I was dating her and I broke up with her. Listen to this young guys. You know why? Because she wasn't what I was looking for. I had made a list of what I was looking for. She had to be a pastor's daughter. She had to be Latina. I don't know what I was on at that moment, but I was like, I was like wanting some bonita senorita. And I literally wrote down this list. And I told her these things when I broke up with her, God as my witness. And my heart got so grieved. My dad hugged her, and the moment he hugged her, he said. Joe, I don't normally get these kind of inclinations, but when I hugged her, because she was my secretary as, as a youth pastor, he said, God told me that was your wife. Well, that was when, uh, before we dated. Then we dated, and he was all happy. When I broke up with her, I called up my dad, and I said, what are you saying now? And I was being like sassy. I was like, see, it didn't work out. You, you said God said that, but it didn't work out, and my dad was so humble. He said, Joe, I, I don't know why it didn't work out, but I can only tell you what God told it was like I knew that I was fighting with what God wanted. And I remember I humbled myself. And it wasn't that I couldn't see beauty in her. It just, it just wasn't where I thought I was supposed to be in life. But the moment I heard God say, No, son, you're gonna regret this. Trust me, you're gonna regret this. Don't, don't, don't leave this pathway. And I called her back up and I said, Honey, God, talk to me. And he said, You're for me. And I and I know I need you. And then you know what? I saw her in a way that it wouldn't have mattered if she was Latino. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have mattered because then I saw her the way God was seeing her. And she, to this day, is still the most beautiful woman I have ever seen in my life. Are you listening to me? But it wasn't what I was expecting. You got to be ready for God to tell you there's some grass fields in the Congo I'm going to have you fly on. You got that? Amen. How many want to do it God's way? Would you pray that for us? I mean that. I don't know how else to say it to my congregation, but that's why we look up to you missionaries because you make sacrifices that a lot of times we think God's not telling us to do, but he may be doing it in a different way. Father God, what a blessing to be here this morning.
8: Thank you for this church. Thank you that you bless your church and your spirit is present. Thank you that you've made us new. you made us a new creation. And when you made us a new creation, you placed a desire in our hearts. A new desire, and the psalm says, "I will give you the desires of your heart." And if you're here this morning and you, you have a desire you don't know what it's from the Lord, give it to God. He'll use it. He'll use you, or whatever you do, whatever your job is, wherever you work, whether you stay at home, young or old, He will use it. He's given us every blessing in Jesus. And Father, we thank you so much that you came to seek and save the lost and you found us. We were sick and you healed us. And this morning, I just pray that you, when you go out, that you will remember every blessing has been given to you. Thank you so much for your church, not just here, anywhere across the world, partnering to make your name great. And it starts in our own life. It starts in our heart. But what we want to do, Lord Jesus, is we want to we want to surrender. We want to surrender it all, lay it at your feet, because you'll take five loaves and two fish and you'll feed ten thousand, hundred thousand disciples, just a drop in the bucket, child. It's nothing for God. You. We just thank you so much. All the praise goes to you. So.
7: Jesus today one more time, amen. Slap your neighbor high five and say, be led by the Spirit. Come see Jonathan right over here at his booth, or come receive prayer. God bless you. You're dismissed. Thank you for staying with us today. We'll see you at Easter. If you want to hang out, we'll sing together. From my heart. Or just come and get Off of his soul like S-O and soul like S-O-U-L we're saying I'm soul free where it would sound like so free let's sing it again I'm soul Come on, keep singing and change it to soul. Yeah, the devil is a liar I'm lifting Jesus higher I'm calling Setting us free, we don't ever have to be the same again. Just keep doing that, and Sister Lily, take us to a place of. Ba-da-ba, ba-da-ba. What are images do you get? Ba- I get two images in my mind. A rock skipping across the water. Ba-da-ba, and, ba-da-ba. and an eagle soaring on the wind. Ba-da-ba, and ba-da-ba. I am the rock of the Lord being skipped across the water of this world. Ba-da-ba, and ba-da-ba, and ba-da-ba. What else are you seeing? Come on. And I am an eagle, soaring on the wind of the Spirit. ba da ba bada ba-da-ba, ba so Sing out what you see, what you see as you hear the song of the Spirit. Oh, ba-da-ba. These are the songs of Zion. These were the Negro spirituals that the slaves would sing for the freedom of their flesh. But they were free in their spirit. Come on, come by, come. if you can split the keys give me a little synth give me a little synth or just change the setting to synth it says she's playing the rhythm I want you to hear what God is saying and see what he's displaying think of it like that I am hearing what God is saying and I'm seeing what he's displaying come on, do you do you see something? I saw rocks skipping across the water more synth please give me more synth Rocks skipping across the water. An eagle soaring on the wind. What are you hearing? And what are you seeing? There you go. Stephanie, since you got the mic right now, don't make it up, but if you're hearing or seeing, what is it?
5: See like um, running, girl running, and then paintbrush just being God's vessel,
0: being the paintbrush in God's hand.
7: Come on, take my hand right now. I sense that. Come on. I sense that. When you were running in that video of Abundant Life, do you know that that was my idea? Not to say, like, people don't have good ideas. I'm just saying that was mine, and the idea that I had was what would it look like with freedom in our streets? What would it look like if the woman caught in adultery was to be set free again in our time? how would it look like? What would it look like for the woman at the well to run and go get her friends in Chicago in 2016? And the moment you just said that with a girl holding a paintbrush, I don't know if we're seeing the same thing, but I just saw somebody like you running like a child with that paintbrush and painting the graffiti, painting over the city, painting over the hurt. I want you ladies to think about this. Do you know that everything we see in fantasy, in the Disney world, is appealing to a heart that was made for glory? One day I'll preach a message on a heart made for glory. But the trees are singing, animals are talking, there's magical powers, the colors are vibrant, there's harmony that is what we were made for we were made for glory you weren't made for designer clothes you weren't made for buildings city skyscrapers you and i were made unclothed in the natural because we were clothed in glory And when we worship in spirit and in truth, I feel like we're putting on our garment of praise and we're taking off the garment of heaviness. And just like Paul and Silas sang in the midnight hours in the jail cells, it sets the prisoners free. This is the story of life, the epic love journey with us and our God. What were you seeing, Rachel, if anything? If you weren't seeing anything, you don't have to, to make it up. But were you seeing anything?
2: The first thing was um, streams of water, you know, like a pasture. Come on. Long waters and a lush pasture. And the second thing was um, a multitude of people, races, just a multitude.
7: Of people <clears throat> worshiping. Jesus. All
2: in harmony like the strings right now, just beautiful. Not even singing a song. Just
10: Worshiping in their own ways.
7: Beautiful. Streams of living water flowing through us to the nations. There's one river, but many streams. <laughs> what is the stream of the Philippines like today? It's like a diamond. It glistens in so many different facets. And everybody sees something different, right? The church of the Philippines is experiencing the same God, but in so many different ways. One day those streams will come together and form that one river again. Every nation, tribe, language, and tongue. Amen. Would you go back to that other setting just as we close out singing because I feel such a tender thing of the Lord, and we'll let Lili have the last. Uh, thing that she shares but what an amazing time to know that God is so close closer than the air we breathe and these songs of freedom is what we want to speak over our generation what were you seeing in your spirit
0: I was seeing a barren field and then I just saw the hand of the Lord come from heaven and touch it and I saw it just come alive. I saw the colors come little by little as far as the eye could see. And I saw the flowers bloom and I saw things spring forth in the field.
7: <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, while you're just, I'm just here just enjoying this. While you were saying that, what came into my mind was just, you know, that kind of cartoonish Disney theme, you know? I mean, it's almost yeah. like. God is going to give us the earth, the righteous inherit the earth, and he is going to touch it and make it whole again.
9: You know, I don't know how
7: serious to take these people who have gone to heaven, but they've, you know, they've wrote these books and seen those things, but they say, you know, you taste smells, you hear colors, you know, just senses working in such a greater way. And uh, there was this one man that was talking about how the flowers, you know, how they had like a song about them, a a rhythm, you know, it's almost like you would see an avatar, you know, how an avatar, the movie, there's these uh, life sources that connected the whole planet together, and it's almost like, man, is that something that's in our heart, to literally see the glory of God upon the natural world, and so sin takes us towards idolatry and worshiping the world, you know becoming one with the world, and that's emptiness, really. But yet God is calling us to wish for the redemption of the sons of God and for the creation of the world, for all restoration. So the trees groan. The Bible says creation groans. Jesus, in Jesus be the center of my life. Just in closing, would you? with me, come on. In Jesus, be the center of my life. From beginning to
3: the end, Alpha and Omega, and always be,
7: it's always been you, Jesus. Just one more time, if you're still with us, would you sing it? Jesus. center, Jesus be the center of my life,
3: from beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been Jesus, Jesus,
7: Jesus, amen, Jose, would you put on some music, thank you.
10: Goodbye.